be looking at the life of someone who questioned the Lord. But I'm reminded this morning of our, of our, of our mission. That as, as a church, God has called us to create settings and opportunities for persons to connect with him. To accomplish their purpose according to his plan and his promise so that they can grow and serve in authentic relationship. And for us, I heard um, Sister Anne mentioning that we are to be and to make disciples of Christ. And then I heard her say that I remembered our church in Jamaica, Swallowfield Chapel. The vision statement is to be and to make disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I look at our vision statement that is written on my written, it says to declare new life, that new life is available in Christ for those who believe. And so I recognize for us to understand the calling of God and, 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 and when the difficult and times and circumstances come, for us to be able to focus, we have to widen our lens and cast our eyes beyond our present or current situation so that we may see God and so that we may trust him. The topic this morning of my message is blink, refocus. It says blink, refocus. And I would love for you to just to blink, just blink, just blink. Blink, stop where you are and just blink. And once you blink, you're going to realize that things change instantly. For once, your dried eyes are now moist. For the second thing, what you were so focused on doing, because you blinked, it changed the focus of what you were doing. Recently, I have been struggling with dry eyes or eye strain. And I've been having headaches because I, I fail to come out of my bed at night. I, I lie in the bed and I cover my head with the sheets to, to protect the, to, to reduce the light from affecting my husband and I would go on the cell phone and I would read and I would read. It, it is more convenient for me than to get up and to come in the living room to read and to turn on the light because in that way I feel like I'm going to be more awakened than I already am. But I, what I recognize is that the day that I have that blurred vision and headache are the day that I, I cannot focus. No matter what I plan to do those days, I can never accomplish it because the, the blurred vision and the headache, I have been, I, I just spend time focusing on it and it is, it is so, in sometimes the pain is not even excruciating but it's annoying pain. It's a dull pain that does not leave. And I find that I focus on it and my days are not productive. They are unproductive days. According to doctors, looking too long or intensely, focusing on, on an object for hours, such as staring at a cell phone, a computer or a television screen can strain the eyes. Some th symptoms of eye of strained eyes or eye or eyes being strained are tired eyes, headaches, and blurred vision. Blurred vision can be caused by nearsightedness, which is a condition in which close objects appear clearer and easier to understand, but far objects appear unclear and complicated and it's the same thing with the problems when you have blurred visions or when you when 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 when, when you are so focused on your situation the situation seems so clear in your eyes because all you can see is that thing in your eyes the, the staring back at you 
and you're unable to see in the peripheral and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There are things operating other than your circumstances and situation. And although eye strain affects our eyesight, it will not permanently damage the eye, but will decrease the sharpness of the eye's vision, and therefore we are encouraged to blink more. Research shows that the average person blinks between 15 to 20 times per minute, but when we focus on a screen, we blink less. Actually, if you are so intensely watching or focusing on a movie, something or on your phone, you will not blink. You will just sit there and just have that dead stare. So, but when we blink, our tears cleanse our eyes from the debris and they refresh and nourish the eyes. But when we do not blink, it decreases our clarity of vision. Blinking sharpens our vision and helps us to refocus. Therefore, it is suggested that we momentarily disengage from the world around us to collect our thoughts and refocus. So again, I'm going to ask you to blink. Blink. Stop and blink. Actually, he says, for this, for this generation, we have to practice the blink. While the other generation prior to this computer age and the cell phone age, they blinked naturally because they were always looking out. Because that's what the vision they had. They were looking out over the horizon, looking at the mountains. They were outside using their eyes to engage with nature and they were looking out. But this generation, we're always with our cell phones, we're always on the TV, and we're so sh focusing on it that we are not blinking, we are not cleansing and nourishing our eyes. Actually, they say if you do not blink, you run the risk of developing eye, eye infection. We study the word. When we blink, we stop and allow the word to change us because we now change our focus from our situation. When we blink, we tend to practice times of prayer where we go to the Lord with our situation and we practice solitude and silences and we learn from the lesson of the past and we move toward the future. When we blink, we actually practice a servant attitude where you're in a situation and you know that you're taken for granted. But because you are blinking and refocusing, and this is not only physical blinking, but spiritually blinking, spiritually refocusing, you are now able to serve persons who you would never have served if you did not blink. When we blink and refocus, we ask God for the desire to fellowship and the willingness to sacrifice of ourselves for the good of others. As we celebrate two years as a church, we need to sharpen our vision and we need to refocus on God's mission for this church. But before we can deal with the church on a whole, we have to also refocus our own lives and to see, God, what is it, what is it that you're saying to me today? The text we'll be looking at today is Luke 7 from verses 18 to 23. 
But to better understand what God is saying to us, we want to look at the life of John the Baptist. John was born to parents who were past childbearing age, and therefore his birth was a miracle. John was unique and he was set apart for service to God. He had a specific role to play because he was the, he was the God-appointed messenger, not a, but he was the God-appointed messenger, messenger to announce the arrival of Jesus. And he was a fearless con con confronter who was filled with the Holy Spirit from in the womb. Luke 1, 41. According to Isaiah 40, verse 3 to 5, and Luke 1, 14 to 17, and verse 76, John's purpose was to be the forerunner of Jesus. And before his birth, it was prophesied that John would go before the Lord and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John preached in the desert in Judea, calling people to repentance for the kingdom of heaven, before the kingdom of heaven was near, and they went out to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole region of Jordan to see and to hear him. They went confessing their sins and being baptized in the Jordan River, according to Matthew 3, 5 to 6. But because of his role, God gave his, special, his parents special instructions about how he should live. John wore odd clothing. He ate strange food, what we would consider strange food. And he preached unusual message. He kept preaching, repent, repent. The people were not accustomed to hearing that message. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. It is unclear when John the Baptist first consciously recognized that Jesus was the son of God, whose way he was to prepare. But as soon as he saw Jesus in John 1, 29, he declared, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And later in verse 31, having recognized Jesus, he testified that he did not know Jesus. But the reason he came baptizing with water was that Jesus might be revealed to Israel. In Matthew 3.16, Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist to accomplish God's mission. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, John testifies in John 1, 32 to 34 that he witnessed the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Jesus. And the reason why he knows that Jesus is the son of God is that the one who sent him to baptize Jesus with, with water was the same one who said to him, on the man whom, on which you see the spirit of God come and remain, he is the son of God. Therefore, John was able to identify Jesus. He knew him. He knew him as the Lamb of God. He knew him because he saw the, the Holy Spirit rested upon him. He knew him because he saw him and, he, and he, Jesus came to him to be baptized. He knew all of that. Throughout John's ministry, he kept announcing, as I said before, his main purpose was to announce that the Savior is here or is near and to call people to repentance because he was here. So throughout John's ministry, he announced and identified Jesus as Savior. In Mark 1, 7, he declared that after him will come one more powerful than himself who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The throngs of whose sandals is unworthy to stoop down and to untie. 
Again in John 3, 23 to 30, while he was baptizing near Salem, his disciples complained that Jesus, whom he had testified about, was baptizing and everyone was going to him. And so John was so clear of his, of his role that he was not perturbed. He, he, he was not comparing himself. He was not competing with Jesus. He knew, John said, John replied to his disciples, he said, Jesus is the Christ, and I was only sent ahead of him to announce his arrival. He is the bridegroom, and I am the friend who is joyfully waiting for the bridegroom. John recognized that his specific role of announcing Jesus as Christ was diminishing, because as Jesus came more into the picture, he was decreasing for Jesus to become greater. John was loved by some but he was also hated by those who hated John. And he confronted King Herod, and according to Matthew 14, 3-5, Herod had John arrested, put in chains, and sent to prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. John recognized that you can't marry your brother's wife. That was adultery. And, and, and Herod felt like it was, he should not be be, be, no one should correct him. No one should tell him what to do because he's king. He's king. And so John said to him, you cannot marry your brother's wife. And so Herod wanted to kill him, but because he was afraid of the people and he revered John, he kept him bound in prison. And now we want to look at the scripture that I am. So what I was doing earlier was to give you a background of John to show you that John understood his purpose. John knew Jesus. John recognized his role. John recognized that his role was, was, was shortly because if you are a forerunner of someone to come, when the person comes, clearly your role is over. But that was not the case. So let us look at Luke 7, 18 to 19. And it reads as follows. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messenger, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So while John was in prison, his disciples came and they told him what Jesus was doing. At that time, if you look from, from, Luke, from Luke 3 onwards, Jesus, 4 onwards, I'm sorry, Jesus was driving out evil spirits because after Jesus came out of the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil in Luke 4, chapter, verse 1, he went on to start his ministry. And so he started driving out evil spirits, healing the sick and the leprous. 
he taught the good news up to the poor in spirit. He fed the hunger, hungry, sorry. He healed the centurion's servant, and he raised the widow's son from the dead. And so the disciples were reporting to John, these are the things that Jesus is doing. He's healing the sick. He's feeding those who are hungry. He, he's, he's teaching those who are poor in spirit. He's raising the dead, and he's doing all of this. But when John heard the report, he was doubtful, confused, and disappointed. Because to John, the reports were incomplete and incongruent with what he thought should were in terms of what the Messiah should be doing. According to Isaiah 61, when the Messiah came or comes, the spirit of the sovereign Lord would be upon him because the Lord would have anointed him to proclaim good news to the poor. So Jesus was doing that. The, the Messiah would bind up the broken heart and he would pro proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. He would proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and he would comfort all who mourn. And to make matters worse, Jesus in Luke 4, 18 to 20, quoted Isaiah 61, 1 to 2, declaring that he had fulfilled that scripture. Yet John was still in prison. So remember, Isaiah 61 says, when the Messiah comes, he would proclaim freedom for the captive, and he would release from darkness for the prisoner. So what Jesus was doing in John's eyes was, was, was great, but it wasn't enough. John's situation did not change by Jesus coming and be. Actually, the moment Jesus came on the scene, John's situation became worse because John should be decreasing. John was still in prison and the Romans were still abusing and oppressing the Jews. Nothing had changed with the Messiah coming. And actually, the Jews were expecting that with the Messiah coming, Israel would now be ruling as opposed to the Romans ruling. So things should change. John's disappointment had blurred his vision. He couldn't see anything other than his present situation. He had been focusing long and hard, think about it, in those dark cells, in the darkest hour of his life. And he's overwhelmed by the possibility of his future. Because what John knows is that if you're in prison, the possibility exists that your life will be required of you, to be taken from you. John needed an opportunity to blink and to refocus. But this wasn't the situation. He needed to remind himself of, of who Jesus is. But instead, he called two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? John was not even asking for himself alone. He says, are you the Messiah to come? Or should we? We. He didn't say should I, but should we? Because the disciples would have asked that question where Jesus was in a crowd. And now Jesus was put on, on, on the spot. Are we to to expect someone else to come because you really aren't the right the good the deal. You are not the, the, the expectation that we had. You were supposed to come as the Messiah and to free us from the Roman rule. But instead, the Romans are still oppressing us. And yes, blind eyes are open. Yes, the hungry 
are being fed, yes, those with leprosy are, are, are being healed, yes, the dead is being risen, but the reality is we are still in prison, not only physically, but mentally. John was asking this question because it, the question could have been asked by many others without, but they just didn't voice it. Have we missed something here? I thought I had seen the Messiah, so I need to confirm what I was mistaken. But was I mistaken? Because what it looks like, instead of the kingdom of heaven coming, the kingdom of Herod was continuing. And John's disappointment caused him to question Jesus rather than ask Jesus a question. And I thought to myself, how many times have I questioned the Lord? Lord, are you real? Is there really a God when my problems seemed unsurmountable in my life and I, and I want to change? God, are you real? Am I praying to a God who hears me? Am I praying to a God who is real? Or is, is God a figment of my imagination? I've asked those questions. And I remember hearing, when I was preparing, I remember hearing uh, a, 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 a sermon from, from Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans, and he says, there's a difference between questioning God and asking God a question. He says, when we question God, we challenge him. But when we ask God a question, we're asking because we need to understand. And he says, when we question God, it shows that we have little respect or no respect for him. But when we ask him a question, we say, God, I do not understand why I'm in this problem so long. I cannot understand why my problem, Lord, has not changed. Lord, allow me to understand. But when I question him, I ask him, God, you said you are God. Why have you not done this? If you are God, and so there's a change in the way I coin my words, and it shows disrespect. And when I thought about it, I said, God, how many times have I disrespected you last year? Because I've asked questions that I was challenging you as God. And so like John Believers question God. We question God. We question him because we recognize that our situations don't change and they're overwhelming and they're not what we want or we are in situations that we want to change now but nothing is happening. And the longer we steer our focus on our situation without blinking, the more our vision is blurred and the more unproductive we become. I need deliverance. You need deliverance. We all need a miracle sometime from God. And when we stop and think about even new life, and I think about after two years, what do we have to show when you think about numerically? What do we have to show? You question God, Lord, did I hear you clearly? Because we all have an expectation of God. And we know that despite our efforts, the status quo does not change. Despite we pray or we fast or whatever we do, nothing changes. Actually, it looks as if it is getting worse. But God, and sometimes God seems to just sit idly by while you're drowning in your circumstances. And he's not saying anything. Where are you, God, when I pray about a new job? 
Where are you, God, when I need money to pay my bills? Where are you, God, when I need a loving spouse? Where are you, God, when I am needing a child? Where are you, God, when I am feeling lonely? Where are you, God, when I need to be healed? Where are you, God, when the church needs to grow? And then we ask God, Lord, I have been praying for so long. I have been fasting. Why haven't you showed up? Why have you not answered? Why have you not come with an answer to relieve me of my anxiety and worry? Why have you not responded to my cries? But God is not moved or afraid of our disappointments and our doubts. Actually, God can handle our doubts and our disappointments. He can handle the moments where we question our situation or we question, Lord, Lord, tell me why. Explain to me why am I in this situation for so long. Lord, tell me why did you choose this setting or this situation for me. And so what Jesus did, he responded to the disciples. He says, go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is a man who does not fall away on account of me. Jesus did not respond the way I would have expected him to respond. Because imagine, I'm crying out to him about my situation. And he says, go back and tell Ava that I am doing this in Texas. That I am doing that. The, the blind eyes are being opened. There are other pe people are going to church, but maybe not yours. People are paying their bills, but maybe you can't pay yours. But he's addressing situations that I, I am saying, God, that, I, that is not my concern. Address my needs. And Jesus responded to John, and he did not say to him, yes, I am the Messiah. Or he didn't say, no, I'm not the Messiah. He did not tell, him any, did not tell John anything that John did not already know. But instead what he did, he repeated what he was doing to reaffirm and to prove to John that he was the Messiah. So I'm realizing that sometimes God don't even come straight and uh, answer our questions straight. He just reaffirms what he's doing. And he causes us to see, and he says, in the middle of your, in the midst of your blurred vision, see around the peripheral so that you can have a productive day. Do not be so focused on what you, you want to be done. Focus on what I am doing. And only the Messiah was able to do what he was doing because nobody else was healing. Nobody else was opening blind eyes. Nobody else was having deaf ear open. Nobody else was causing the dead to raise. Nobody else was healing the, those with leprosy. Actually, those persons with leprosy, persons were avoiding. But he was going that close to heal them. So clearly the Messiah was here. And he was saying to John, John, if you were focused on what I was doing, you would have seen that I am here. You would not have had any need to question if I am here. And I thought about it for myself. If I am focused on what God is doing, I would not question what he's not doing directly for me. Despite John's expectation, 
Jesus was accomplishing God's mission that he came to do. Despite John's expectation, Jesus was accomplishing what he came to do. And what Jesus came to do may include my needs. That's the reality. But if I catch a vision of what he's doing, that will give me a refocusing of my vision and cause me to be productive because I would now come and partner with him to accomplish his mission as opposed to satisfy my needs. So what is God saying to us as individuals and as a church about our blurred vision? Because many times, uh, because when my, my eyes started to hurt me, I thought it was my glasses that needed to be changed. And I was so bent on going to get my glasses changed that but the only reason why I didn't have the time when I went to Jamaica. Because I felt so strongly that it was my glasses lens that needed to change. When in fact, it was that I needed to blend. I needed to refocus. I needed to allow light to come into the, where I, the darkness in which I was reading. I needed the light of Christ to come in and to change so that I would now have a productive day. But I was so focusing on fixing what I could fix or thought that needed to be fixed when that was not the problem. And having read this scripture, I'm sensing God say to us, stop. Blink. Blink so that you can be refocused. Stop. Blink. Stop. Blink. Because when you blink, invariably, you look in a different position. So if I'm looking at you when I stop and I blink, my eyes, if I was looking at your forehead, by the time I blink and open my eyes, if, even if I'm still looking at your face, it would not be your forehead. I'm focused on something else. Or even if I go back to the forehead, I'll be seeing a different thing. And God is saying, stop. And blink. Stop. In Acts, in Acts 1, when Jesus, before Jesus left his disciples, he, he was speaking to them and he said to them that they are not to leave Jerusalem, but they are to wait on the gift the Father had promised him. And with Jesus coming and, and before his ascension, they were disappointed initially that he had to be, be crucified. They were disappointed that the, the hope that they have or had was now destroyed because Jesus was buried. But here he came again. He came back into their lives. And he was now telling them that he was going to be leaving again, but he was going to leave, leave for a longer time. And so when they met in verse 6, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of heaven? Because God, if this is what the Messiah is supposed to be doing, restoring the kingdom of God, restoring the kingdom of Israel, removing the Romans from their place of authority and, and, and allowing Israel to now be at that place. 
if this is what the Messiah is supposed to do, when are you going to do it? Because if you're leaving, when are you going to do it? When are you going to restore us before you? So we understand that you must go. But before you go, restore the kingdom. And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know. It's not for you to know the dates or the times when the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So in essence, Jesus is saying, it's not for you to know when your problem will be fixed. But you will receive power to do what I have commissioned you to do. You'll receive power to do what I have mandated you to do. You'll receive power to live out your life even when your situation does not change. Because he never said to them, I am going to change your situation before I leave. He says, no, it is not for you to know the date or the time, but you will receive power. So not as if he said to them, okay, when I go, in a month's time, the problem will change. Or I'm going to move you from where you are and take you to the ideal place. Or I'm going to remove the Romans. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wipe them out like how I wiped out the God wiped out the Babylonians. No. It is not for you and I to know the date or the time that God set to change our situation. And the, and the reality is my situation may not change. But he said, the thing that I have called you to do, I have prepared and I have made provision for you. Because you will receive power to be my witnesses. You will receive power to go to Judea. You will receive power to go to Jerusalem. You will receive power to go to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And after Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And so while they were looking up into the sky while he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And he said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken before, taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So do not look to him to solve your situations. No, no. Because he's going to empower you to do what he wants to do. But it's the same Jesus. The same Jesus who you see taken up. He's coming back. And, he, and he's saying to them, you, so you are thinking that the Messiah may not have come. Because if the Messiah comes, these are the things that will be in place. John would no longer be in prison. And the disciples would no longer be under the oppression of the Romans. But he said it's the same Jesus, the same Messiah, the same Savior that you're seeing leaving. He's coming back later, not to fix your illicit situation now, but he's coming back to rule and reign as king. And the reality of that is daunting. That your problem that is so big in your eyes that is making your day unproductive. Because if you really think about your problem, you can just sit down in the house, you can lie in your bed, and you can just think days upon days without moving. 
Because the reality is, you see days going and weeks going, and you say, God, when will this change? Am I sure that I heard you, God? Did I walk into this situation on my own because I felt that this is what you were saying when you never said it? And he's saying to you, and he's saying to me, you will receive power. You will receive power where you are to carry up what I wanted to carry up because your problem is not my focus right now. I have given you the power to live with your problem, but you need to blink. You need to refocus. Because I recognize that once I refocus, which I've, since I've recognized what was causing the pain in my eyes, I have stopped reading under the sheet. Well, this week, I have stopped reading under the sheet. And I recognize that my eyes have not been hurting me the same way. I realize I've, I, I've, I have not been reading on my phone. I mean, like for two days now, I've not been reading on my phone. I open my Bible. And I turn on the light. I go where the lighting is, where the lighting is good. Because I recognize that I need to have a productive day. So I cannot allow the things that blur my vision, that strain my eyes, that cause me to lose vision, to continue to operate every day. I have to make a change. I have to make a choice. And so though I want the comfort of reading in my bed, under the sheet, I cannot enjoy that now because it's not good for my vision. And the same thing for you and I in our other situations. The thing that we cannot change. The thing that we have no control over. The thing that we have been praying and we have said, God, this situation that I'm in is so hard. It's so difficult. This, Lord, I need, a, I need an answer from you. I need a change, God. I am disappointed. I, 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 I had my own expectations, God, and they have not been met. Actually, my, my, my expectations are unrealized. And God, I need an answer. But like John, he says, go back and tell New Life Horizon Church what I'm doing. Go back and tell New Horizon Church what I'm doing. The blind is seeing, the deaf is hearing, those with leprosy are healed, the dead are raised, the hungry are being fed, and those who do not know him, those who are poor in spirit, are being taught about the kingdom of God. Go and tell the members of NLH that I have come to give sight to the blind. So if you are lacking a vision, seek me. I can help you to refocus. If you are lacking of vision in terms of your own life, blink because I can refocus you. Even when your situation does not change. And that's real. Because I think that if my situation changed, my life would be picture perfect. And that's, how, that, 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 that's what I feel. And he said, no, I want you to focus even in that situation. By blinking, by looking around, by trying to catch, catch on to the vision of what he is. He said, I give sight to the blind. 
if your vision is blurred, he says, I give sight to the blind. Seek me for the sight that you need to be able to live each day, even with the blurred vision. And so how do I blink and refocus in this setting when my life is not necessarily the way I want it to be? Or situations are happening in my life that I would love to have changed. He says, seek me by praying. And as we know, prayer is not a one-way communication or a one-way conversation. It's a conversation, rather. It's a conversation where we tell God where we are, tell him our situation, but we also wait to hear him say, I have received, give me a power. I have given you power to live with unpaid bills. I have given you power to live with sickness in your body. I have given you power to live while you are lonely, to live while you are without a child, to live while your children are not where they are, to live when, you're, when, when your spouse is not the way you want him to be, uh, or she is she not the way you, you want her to be. I have given you power to not to work when you want to work. I have given you power to live and to trust me. I have given you power to live. And then another way that we blink is when we stop and we study the word. We allow the word to become food. We meditate on the word. We chew on the word. We allow the word to become life, the very sustenance of our being. That even in the times when we have lost vision and where visions are blurred and we have in headache and we have lost focus, the, the word, the Bible, the word will refocus us and cause us to see. Another way we can refocus is to practice times of solitude and silence. To just to sit and allow the Father to just to speak into us, blocking out the world interaction, blocking out the noise. Because we live in so much noise. We have the TV is going, the, the music is playing, or we are talking on the phone, but something is happening and he's saying, there are times that I needed to just be silent. Say nothing. And be in a place of solitude where you can hear me clearly. We refocus when we have this attitude of servanthood. Where I no longer am focused on my own needs and what I do not have. But I can trust him to use me to serve others. We can also refocus when we ask God for the desire to fellowship with others. To be in a setting where we are serving and we are loving and we, we are having relationship with others. And they are having relationship with us. We refocus when we are willing to sacrifice. I know I do not have enough. I know that I do not want to go. I know that I could have used my time better. In my mind, I could have used my time better. But because of others, I am going to sacrifice. I am going to spend that two hours that I have on a Saturday or on a Sunday or whatever day of the week that I would have used to do something else for my own good. I am going to use it to serve somebody else. 
Answer this morning, I don't know if you have blurred vision. I don't know if you, if you have blurred vision, what is the cause of your blurred vision, but I know the cause of my blurred vision. And God is saying to you and I today, stop. Blink. And refocus. Stop. Blink. And refocus. And if there's a situation that you do not know God, you have yet to surrender because the journey seems hard and you do not understand how you would walk this journey. Because it seems hard and it's looking on, you have this great, you have this expectation of what is going to be required of you as a believer. And you say, I cannot do it. I do not have the capacity. I do not know how I do not have the, the discipline to do it. God is saying to you this morning, stop. Allow him to refocus you. Allow him to show you that he knows the way and he has the way. He knows the way to go. He knows how to do it. And he comes alongside us and he walks with us each day. And if we trust him and we lean on him, he will show us how to walk this journey. But at the same time, you may have already given your life to the Lord and you have been disappointed like John. Because the reality is, Lord, I expected that when I gave my life to you and, 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 and you have your list, the thing that you need to tick off, to say, God, because I made the sacrifice to serve you, I gave up the world for you, God. These are the things I'm expecting of you. And the reality is, some of the things, Lord, have not been met. And I am disappointed. I am discouraged. I have expectations that are just not met. And I do not know if I can continue this walk. God is saying to us, saying to you this morning, stop. Just stop. Stop right where you are. Stop. Stop right where you are. Blink. And as you blink, you cast your eyes on him. Cast your eyes on him because Isaiah 26, 3 says, He keeps in perfect peace those whose eyes are stayed on him. And so once you are losing vision, once your vision is blurred, once you're having strained eyes, it's because you're looking at the wrong thing. And he's saying to you and I this morning, stop. Just stop. Stop where you are. Stop in the trap that you are. Stop. Stop today. And deciding to blink refocus. Say, Lord, I cannot even blink because I have not blinked for a while. Because if you are so focused on watching the screen for, for hours upon hours, the possibility exists that you would have missed a couple times to blink. 
and your eyes are dry. And he's saying, because your eyes are dry, you're not seeing life the way he sees it. Because our eyes are dried, we are not seeing the things from his perspective. And he's saying to you and I this morning, stop. Look. And so this morning, we want to just be praying for each other because the reality is all of us are at that place where we can lose vision. You may not, you may be so focused now, but there was a day when you lost vision, and there may come a day when you're going to lose vision. Because everything you may have needed now is already ticked, and, you, and God has met every need that you have. But there comes a day when there will be something that you will need that would cause your vision to be blurred. And so we are sharing with you from now that when that day comes, you know what to do. So let us just stop and pray this morning. Stop and blink this morning. Stop and share with your God this morning. He, he, he can take your disappointment and he can take your doubts. Tell him where you are. God, I have been disappointed. God, I have been discouraged. God, my expectations are unmet. My desires are unmet. I want more. I desire more, God. What I have is not what I wanted. Not what I have is not what I need. But I am trusting you, God, that even when the situation does not change, I am trusting you because you have provided the Holy Spirit. That would help me to be the witness that you have called me to be. So those who are looking on God and looking on, they would never even know that my vision, my vision was blurred because I'm so focused on you. And so Father, we just thank you this afternoon. We thank you, Father. For your word this morning to us. Thank you to your word to me, God, as an individual. Thank you for your word to me as an individual, God. Tell Ava. Tell Anne. Tell Kirk. Tell everyone what you have seen and heard. Tell them the sight of the blind is restored. The deaf hears. Those who are crippled because they could not move are able to walk. And those who are dead spiritually and physically are given life. And so, Father, we stand before you this morning with our hands raised and we surrender our desires to you, Lord. We surrender our desires to you, God. Lord, you have provided for us everything that we need. That's what your word says. 
By your divine power, you have given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so, Lord, what I do not have today is not what I need for life and for godliness. And that's the truth. What I do not have today is, not, is what I do not need for life and for godliness. Because today, if I live without it, and if I lived without it yesterday, God, you're saying to me, it's, a, it's an appendix to my life. It's not my main chapter. And so here we are, Father, this morning. I have stopped. I have intentionally blinked. I have rechanged my focus, God. And I'm declaring today that my focus is on you, God. Not on what I do not have. Not on what I desire. Not on the disappointments in life and how life is going, but on you. And so, Father, I just give you thanks this morning. And I bless your holy name. I bless your name, Father. Forgive me for the times, God, that I have questioned you in a way of challenging you. Cause me, Lord, to be at that place where you are enough for me. That I find peace and joy and love and everything that I need in you. So whatever else is missing from the external, God, it does not impact me. And so, Father, I just bless your name. And if you do not know Christ and you want us to pray, our telephone number is 469-333-0397. Four six nine three 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 zero three nine seven. Call us. We're happy to be with you and to pray with you and to lead you to the Lord and to tell you about the God that we know that wants to refocus all of us. And if you have walked away, today is a day to come back. Because the reality is every person in the world will have a blurred vision. But not every person in the world will be refocused. Some today are, have lost hope. Their visions are so blurred that they have taken their life because they are no hope. Some today are contemplating, should I take my life? Should I continue to live? Because my problem is so big. Some today are crying because their loved ones are not well or, or their loved ones have taken their lives and they are wondering, do I have hope? But today I present hope 
And I declare to you today that there is new life in Christ for those who dare to trust him and to believe in him. And wherever you are today, in your walk with God, whether you know him or you don't, if we give him an opportunity, he will help us to refocus. So let us stop this morning and think about where we are. Stop, blink, and refocus. So as you go this week, I pray that the peace of God you will experience, that peace that is complete, it's a, a well-being, it, it is more than the absence of turmoil. It's a peace that causes you that in the midst of situation that you are unable to fix, you will have that inner peace because you will have had the Prince of Peace. And so go today being blessed. And as Jesus says, let no man lose out on account of him. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of him. Blessed is the man who do not fall away because your expectations of God were not met. Blessed is the man who continues to hold on to Jesus even when the situation does not change. So have a blessed week. And we look forward to being with you again next week. Have a blessed Jesus, bring the wine out of me. In the crushing, in the pressing.